Hi, I'm Helen Joy Butler, and this is Musings on Sanctuary and Spirituality, a weekly podcast series where we talk about sanctuary, spirituality, and everything in between. As a sanctuary creator and elemental space clearer, I help people create sanctuary in their homes and lives in practical, emotional, and spiritual ways. In this podcast, we will be talking about sanctuary, spirituality, alignment, intention, and much more, all in the hope of supporting you on your own sanctuary and spiritual journey. I invite you to take time to pause, to settle in with today's episode, and if it feels right, to spend time journaling your thoughts and learnings afterwards. Because it's when you embody these learnings that you will achieve greater alignment in all aspects of your life. So without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome to this beautiful Sanctuary Chat with Helen Claire Harmon. Helen is the host of the Humans and Earth podcast and the founder of the School for Humans and Earth. Helen and the school support people who care about earth and environmental issues to find a deeper level of contribution or leadership that goes beyond sustainability and is grounded in an interdependent collaborative relationship with earth. The school's mentoring sessions and e-courses allow you to clarify your compassionate vision and choose your path of action while forging a mutually supportive relationship with Earth that benefits her well-being and yours. This is an absolutely beautiful and deep conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. Hi, Helen. It's so beautiful to have you here on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here with you across the continents and oceans and time zones. Yes, and it's also really unusual to get two Helens together in one place. So it's just a beautiful um, experience, I think, when Helens get together. So let's get you just to share a little bit with us about who you are, where you live, your awesomeness in the world. Okay. Well, I live in the, in the United States, and I'm originally from Colorado in the Southwest. I grew up in the high Rocky Mountains in a rural area. I've also lived in the California Bay Area and in Michigan and in upstate New York. And currently, I'm in Pennsylvania here in the Northeastern U.S., just outside of Philadelphia, where I've been for 21 years. So I've lived in multiple places in North America, and I kind of identify North America as my homeland. Um, Let me see how to tell you uh, kind of highlights about who I am and what I'm doing. I have a background in history and religion, and I moved from that training um, kind of during my early parenting years into really focusing on humanities and ecology, which is the field or kind of a set of fields that looks at the human nature relationship from the perspective of all kinds of humanities angles, literature, history, religion, et cetera. And 
over the last about 20 years, I've become really focused on the human-Earth relationship, understanding what its past has looked like in certain aspects, but really mostly being very, very interested in what are we doing on this planet? How can we be here in a better way? How is this planet a sanctuary for us? I love the topic of your podcast because as someone who spent um, the early years of my adulthood studying medieval and religion and medieval and Renaissance religion, when I think of sanctuary, I often think of how pre-modern peoples were very focused on sanctuary in like the built environment, in religious sanctuaries, and also in sacred natural sites. And I think we've really neglected that in the modern centuries. So it seems to me this is probably a way that your work and my work come together in that we're both very interested in thinking about and feeling into and helping other people touch in with what is sanctuary? What does that mean for your personal safety and well-being? And what does it mean for being human on the planet? So what I'm doing right now is building the School for Humans and Earth. It's at humansandearth.com. And currently there's a podcast that I've really been enjoying. It is um, interview-based. So I've been interviewing some really delightful people who are also very interested in the human-Earth relationship from spiritual angles, philosophical, scientific, and I will be building e-courses. I'm also offering mentoring. My primary interest is in supporting people who feel a call to contribute to regenerating Earth and the human-Earth relationship and They've either been activists and they're burned out and they're looking for a deeper, more grounded, really kind of more sanctuary oriented way, or they haven't yet made the contribution that they feel maybe they're here to make and they're not quite sure to begin. And maybe they really doubt that their heart-based, compassionate vision of how the world could be is valid. So those are primarily the people that I'm interested in serving and really anyone who is as passionate about regenerating earth and the human earth relationship as I am. Yeah, that's just, gosh, I'm just feeling like this massive heart opening. Like it's just, it's really, the words coming to me is like a welcoming home. It's like we have spent, this is my, um, I'm not the expert like you, are, Helen, but my feelings are that we've spent so many years not doing right by our earth. And it's, I don't think it's a surprise in 2020 that we're going through the challenges that we're going through for us all to have to wake up a little bit to what it is we're doing, whether it's in our own personal lives or in our community or more globally just even in regards to how we show up from a heart space, let alone what we're doing on a practical level to our earth as well. Have you got any thoughts on how we can, you know, make 
simple changes in our lives. Many of the people listening to this podcast in particular obviously are focusing on sanctuaries. Like how can I bring about sanctuary in my life? And often they're a little bit overwhelmed, a little bit stressed, a little bit like, you know, they've got enough going on in their lives. And then sometimes we'll be thinking, well, I can't really add another thing to my plate. But I do believe that there's these really simple strategies even if it's not our massive area of expertise, but little strategies that we can do at a grassroots level that can really help our beautiful planet. So any thoughts on what that might be to make it easy for the listener? Yes, I have three. Before I list them, I'd like to say, I think your phrase about a coming home is really important. I think we are experiencing that this year. I mean, physically in this surprising way where so many of us have spent so much more time at home, which I think really has caused a lot of us to, you know, re-experience our homes as a sanctuary or spend more time in nature and re-experience earth as a sanctuary. So I think you're absolutely right that the, the traumas and the crises of this year have also the aspect of actually attuning us to sanctuary in our own minds, our own bodies, our homes on the earth. What I recommend to people is three simple things. One, to really consciously be in your body physically. I think a lot of people with spiritual inclinations or people who are sensitive or people who are intelligent and tend to be somewhat intellectual, we can tend to sort of hang out up here. And that's very tempting. Um, that can feel like a safer space for some of us. I've definitely lived a lot of my life in that way. But I think not only for our own well-being, but also for our connection to the earth, we have to really inhabit our physical bodies because they are our primary sanctuary, at least in the physical realm. You know, the body is what we've got. Whatever you think you have in terms of a soul or a higher self or consciousness, this is the physical sanctuary. And it really does need to be consciously inhabited. I also think that um, that's actually an entry point to really paying attention to the earth because the earth is a physical place. And it may be difficult to really be attuned to the planet if you're just kind of living in your head and you're not really connected with your own physical well-being, the ways that your body's pain and pleasures are teachers for you, tending your body in nurturing ways that actually really have a lot to do with how we're treating the planet because our bodies and Earth's body are actually the same. So what you do to your body, you're doing to the Earth. What you do to the Earth, you're doing to your body. We could talk about a lot of examples of that. So I would say, first, be in your body consciously. Second, care for it in deliberate and nurturing ways that are also beneficial to and synergistic with the Earth. And third, connect to nature spend time outdoors that's our larger sanctuary you know the main physical sanctuary we have is this body but it is nested in the sanctuary of the natural world 
which is our life support system. We tend to forget that. Or, you know, it's ironic because in the modern centuries, like post-1600 scientific revolution, we've learned about all the ways in which the natural world actually is our life support system. You know, we've learned about oxygen and we've learned about nutrition and digestion and all of these things. And yet we don't live as though it's our life support system. So to make that part very simple, I would say spend time outdoors and do it without earphones in, do it without music. Um, notice your surroundings, whether you're in a wild place or an urban place, you can see the sky, you can probably find a tree, you can probably find some plants and birds. Notice what's around you. And then if you're willing to kind of go deeper into that, really pay attention. Put your bare feet or hands on the earth and then go into that next level of direct communication with nature where you try to feel earth's energy. You ask earth to communicate with you. You ask how you can be of service to the life community. You explore communication with plants and animals. So those are the three things I think are the most fundamental are inhabit your body, nurture your body in ways that are earth supportive, and then spend time outdoors, be in nature, find your own ways of connection. And from there, I mean, you're already doing a lot of good if you do those three things, but if you're then looking for further contributions in service to the life community and service to nature and earth, I think you're prepared to identify them when you're doing these three things first. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. There were two things that came up for me as you were talking there, Helen. The first was that when I talk about sanctuary, many years ago, I used to work as a professional organiser and people would have me come in and, you know, we'd organise the space, which is external to us. But there was a disconnect between this internal and the reality is that if I'm not under these four walls of my home, the only home I have literally is my body. It comes with me absolutely everywhere I go. I need to care for it in a way so that when I go and do the things that I need to do or want to do, it's fueled. it's in a physical space or reality that can help me do those things. So it is that you know, how do I come into my body? And I was nodding and putting my hand up and everything. And when you're saying we're living in our heads, because I can totally relate to that. I'm sure a lot of people listening can as well. The other thing that came up for me as well, as you were talking was uh, many years ago, I want to say about five or six years ago, at least once a week, I used to take myself to this really big park area in the city that we live in. I, I'm lucky to have a block of land with grass and trees and so on, but this, this park called me and it was by the river and it was really large and it wasn't, it was open, there was not a lot of people there. So once a week I'd take my picnic blanket and my journal and some crystals and just no purpose but just to go. And I would always sit with the same tree and I would welcome the tree and I'd give it a hug and then I'd sit with my back against it and then be there for an hour or so. And then I would give it a hug goodbye and leave and then, you know, continue that for pretty much a 12-month period. And it was really interesting what I experienced in that time because 
the tree got to know me and I got to know the tree. And all this guidance came in, all this wisdom was shared with me, even the name of the tree and how it got the name and all of that. And I'm in a city. Now, I'm not in a you know, massive city like New York, but I'm still in a city which often we think, well, I can't be in nature, I can't do the thing. Um, and then also on the flip side of that, perhaps if I do spend time in nature and I, I do start to get these awarenesses or these insights or these words drop in and then I might start to second guess myself. It's a matter of just, as you said, allowing that next step to evolve um, so that we can step into using the wisdom and the knowledge from the earth on our own journey to keep us grounded in this body. Sorry, that was a very long. <laughs> yeah. Well, and forming a relationship. I love your story about you going to the same place regularly for a year with the same tree because that's probably the best way to be in nature. I mean, it's wonderful to explore anywhere and to pay attention to the natural world, whatever you're doing, even if you're walking to the, the food store. But to spend the time building a relationship and knowing that park and that tree through the seasons and in different weather. And it sounds like in doing that, you built yourself a personal experience of sanctuary in nature, sanctuary outdoors, sanctuary on the earth. I wouldn't be surprised if that has really stayed with you in a lot of ways because when you build that relationship regularly, it creates a sense of familiarity and safety. And as you said, this beautiful communication with the tree that opened up. Yes. And interestingly, in a few days, I'm going back to that park and I'm going to be meeting a friend and she doesn't live far from it. And she said, oh, great. We can go and have a look at the roses because there's a beautiful rose garden in this massive park. And I said to her, oh, but I can introduce you to my tree. <laughs> I thought that was just really lovely. And she's very keen to meet my tree as well. So, so in all of your work, what do you believe is our biggest challenge? moving forward? I believe our biggest challenge right now is lack of belief that we can turn things around on this planet. Because I've spent a number of years through my teaching tracking the dynamic, beautiful, inspiring, healing approaches, movements, technologies that are abundant on this planet right now. You know, people need to know that not only is the renewable energy revolution happening, but we have all the technology we need. There is no need right now for further renewable energy technology. We will have further renewable energy technology, but we have enough renewable energy technology right now to switch entirely to renewables. And that's been true for a number of years. A lot of people don't know that. Similarly, we know through agroecological research that we can sequester 
massive amounts of carbon in our soil through regenerative agriculture. This has been established in multiple studies. It's based on current science, but it's also very much based on traditional indigenous agricultural practices and the way that nature works. Um, to tell the story very simply, we have tended to farm in the last few centuries with bare soil. Go to a forest or a meadow, you won't see the soil. The soil is always covered by nurturing plant material. So the story is a little more complicated than that, but we know that if we simply change how we farm and how we care for soil, we can solve climate change. Similarly, we have these fantastic, dynamic, well-established movements like transition towns and permaculture that give us the tools that we need to become more resilient, uh, no longer dependent on fossil fuels, better connected to people in our communities, growing food, caring for soil, cleaning up air, increasing habitat for animals, I could go on and on. What really concerns me is that I see a lot of discouragement, I see despair, I see people posting on social media statements indicating they think these are the end times and we're done and there's nothing we can do but kind of sit back and let climate change toast us. And I don't believe that. I have been through my own periods of fear and discouragement. And I know that you all had some very difficult wildfires over the last year or two. We're going through a really rough time in the United States right now on multiple fronts. So I am not whitewashing the situation. I am not denying the political, economic, social problems, the environmental problems, the injustices. But I've come to believe through surveying all these different types of solutions that I was referring to, we are actually beautifully positioned to regenerate this planet and human health and the human-Earth relationship. But what concerns me is that a lot of people are choosing discouragement, despair. They're not becoming informed about the regenerative possibilities. They're looking at the so-called old world falling apart and they're saying, oh, we're done. Well, that's only part of the story. I, I think the people who are saying that old systems are crumbling are correct. Uh, I believe that spiritually. I also think that that's what I'm seeing from the perspective of being a historian. But the fact that old systems are crumbling does not in and of itself mean that we're done and we're falling into total disarray out of which we cannot pull ourselves. The other side of that coin or the other side of that story is we can now implement the regenerative healing strategies that not only have humans known for millennia upon millennia and that have been somewhat forgotten, but that we have been rediscovering and rebuilding in recent decades. So <laughs> that's my view on that one. Yeah, no, I love it because I think you have just hit the nail on the head there with people feeling despondent, feeling lack of, you know, power towards change in whatever the thing is that they're passionate about. Um, and we are fed less than the correct information through perhaps social media or even on the news, like we're hearing stuff, we need to go to the source. And I suppose that's what you're doing, Helen, through your school and through your work and your podcast is 
helping educate us around the fact that it isn't all lost. We do have a chance. And these are some really simple strategies. I know I, I said to you before we came on live that I've listened to three of your podcast episodes and in one of them was a lovely meditation. And so, you know, I've been connecting with that meditation. I was doing it morning and night. Now I'm doing it once a day because of other meditations that I'm doing. But, you know, I've, I feel empowered by doing that because you provided me with this structure, with this content through your beautiful um, expert in her field to guide me. And I think that also gives me hope because what that's saying is that I don't have to be a big company who spends lots of money to try and clear up the plastics from the ocean or trying to regenerate the soil or whatever. I can do what I can do. And with all of us doing what we can do, then we're going to get, then that'll move us forward, right? Yes. It's about building ally relationships. You're referring to Rachel Fotenhauer's meditation beautiful, beautiful meditation connecting directly to earth. It's in episode two of the Humans of Earth podcast. I've received a lot of uh, very favorable feedback from people who've listened to Rachel's meditation and her work is beautiful. She channels earth. And you know what Rachel is doing, what she's mentoring people in is building an ally relationship between yourself and earth, which as you're saying, only takes a few minutes a day. People could give three minutes of their day to paying attention to earth and building that ally relationship. And that I think can shift perspectives and actions. And then it's about reworking our ally relationships with other people, because as a lot of us are becoming aware, environmental problems and poverty, economic inequalities and racial injustice are all wrapped up together in the same picture. So our human-human relationships and repairing those, turning them into true ally relationships are also part of this. Your ally relationship with your tree in the park, right? That's another simple example. So I think you're right. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. And I really increasingly believe that those of us who are here on the planet right now are here to contribute to regeneration. So just look for your personal pathway. You know, it may be tending a beautiful garden that is your neighborhood's sanctuary for birds and pollinating insects. That is a beautiful thing to do. Improving the soil in your garden, keeping the rainfall on your property because the soil is in good condition. It may be as simple as that. It may be that you are someone who is contributing from kind of a prayerful, meditative, nature connection perspective. I really think there's a lot of validity in that. Or there may be a local project or some larger kind of contribution that you're gonna make. But I think everybody has a regenerative contribution to be making. And if you believe that, you just have to listen and you'll discover what yours is. Yeah, I totally agree. I was at this event on the weekend and people had plastic bags that they purchased food in from the grocery store that they were then, you know, transferring onto plates and eating for lunch. And in our household, if we ever get anything like that, we have a separate rubbish bin that we put plastics in and then we take that to the 
place that will take soft plastics and do recycling. Like we're really onto it in our household. And so to see people at this workshop open those up and put them in the bin, I was nearly saying, I, I wanted to say, can I take those home? Because I wanted to actually allow the process to continue that they were, you know, doing good instead of just going into landfill as well. Helen, would you say that the work you're doing is your spiritual calling in the world? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about spiritual practices then. So what do you do? As you know, this is the Musings on Sanctuary and Spirituality podcast and we obviously want to um, hear from guests on what their spiritual practices are so that anyone listening can you know, add it to their toolkit or grab onto it if they feel like that's suitable for them. So if you're happy to share what you do, we'd love to hear. Sure. I think there are three main areas for me. One is connecting to what I consider to be higher guidance, my soul, my higher self. Um, I love to work with the ascended masters and archangels and, uh, have experiences of connecting to source consciousness and feeling myself as part of that. So kind of the traditional spiritual meditative type endeavors. Another is self-care of the type that nurtures my body in ways that are earth harmonious and also um, Kind of emotional self-care. I think a lot of us need that. So many of us humans have some degree of trauma in our backgrounds, whether it's small or moderate or large. So I really like modalities like EFT and the emotion code, which just kind of help balance, cleanse, <laughs> renew your emotional system. And then the third area for me is spending time in nature, connecting to nature. I garden and I like to just be outdoors to hike. Um, increasingly, I'm exploring what it's like to really be in relationship with earth as an energy, not only as a, a physical entity, but as an energetic being and presence. So mm. That's those beautiful. are my my areas yeah that's beautiful when you said the emotional self-care bit what came to me then was that often and i think um self-care has got a bad rap in the same way the word balance has got a bad rap over the years and i think that when it comes to self-care we often do the thing <laughs> but we do it more from a physical oh i'm having an epsom salts bath or i'm spending time sitting on the grass or i'm I don't know, getting a massage, whatever the thing is, but we're not connecting with that emotional side of it. And I think that's a really valid thing that we need to, you know, bring into the equation as well. I know that you've used the word sanctuary a few times, which of course lifts my heart. Um, but when you hear the word sanctuary, what does that, you know, bring up for you or what does that embody for you? For me, it's any place where I feel grounded, connected, stable, and at home. So it should be my body. And I think, you know, a lot of us are working on making sure our bodies do feel like a sanctuary. 
Um, ideally, it's also my home living space. And as I've said, I think we're extending our understanding of sanctuary to the earth, both the natural world where you live and then also the planet as a whole. Yeah, beautiful. So if you were to leave the listener with one final piece of advice on their sanctuary journey, Helen, what would it be? I would say find your delightful way of connecting to nature because there's a lot of instability right now. I mean, there's just no doubt that 2020 has been a really hard year for the human species on planet Earth. And I'm not sure how quickly, I mean, nobody is sure how quickly things are going to get easier, but whatever is going on in the larger world and whatever is going on in your personal life, the earth is our stable place. And just find the way that you like to connect, sitting, meditating outside, walking mindfully, I think you can jog mindfully. I don't jog, so I don't know. Um, I, I think you can probably exercise outdoors mindfully if your focus is on mindful presence in the outdoors rather than on your music. Gardening, maybe tending plants, maybe tending animals, um, doing something for an ecosystem or habitat. Maybe it's walking in the same place every day or once or twice a week like you went to the park and spent time with the tree. Maybe it's walking in the same place and knowing that place. I do that. I live near a retreat center with the beautiful forest and meadow. It's actually a small place, but I walk there regularly with my dog. And so I really know it in all its seasons. And it's a very comforting, reassuring, actually a sanctuary place for me. I can feel, oh, you know, that I relax when I, step off the street and into this this more forested quieter place with its walking paths so find that place and let the natural world be your sanctuary it really is our sacred place earth and humans are in a sacred relationship earth is meant to be your home so let that be true find out how it's true for you yeah, beautiful. And if you don't mind, I'd just like to add to that. To if you can't get outside, to bring it in. Um, and in whatever form that looks like, whether it's running water or, you know, plants yeah. or flowers. Because that's. I, I'm surrounded by beloved stones all the time. <laughs> because I think that's totally true. You know, I try to spend time outside every day, even if it's just 20 minutes. But bring it inside, you know, have some house plants. If you like to do that, it's, well, you can't see it's dim behind me, but I have a plant, have some stones you love, some sticks. Um, there's a beautiful interview on my podcast. I think it's episode three or four with Stefan Harding, who talks about have your Gaia place. Maybe it's outside. Maybe it's in a corner of your urban environment where you create a Gaia sanctuary with whatever items from nature are meaningful to you. And if you can't go outside for some reason, which, you know, unfortunately here in the U.S. right now is, is really true for a lot of people because we have this overwhelming amount of wildfire smoke or, of course, cold weather comes to some places, look out the window. 
look at the sky, find a tree you can look at and you can still make that connection. Yeah, I did love that term Gaia place that Stefan used because I'd never heard that before and it just... I don't know, it just brought about this this sense of expansion, this sense of connection. So I want to thank you for bringing him through your podcast for that because that was a new term that made its way into my awareness, which is lovely. Is there anything else, Helen, you'd like to share? I feel like we could probably talk all day around this concept, but um, is there anything else that you're feeling really needs to be shared right at this moment? Maybe one more thing. We talked about building ally relationships and I think we could add to that. If you feel called to build this connection with earth and to contribute to regeneration, but you don't have people in your life who share that, do look for some human allies so that you feel that you have companionship in these values and these desires for human life to really flourish on earth while earth really flourishes. And, you know, you can look for a transition towns group or look for the permaculturalists or look for the urban gardeners or the home gardeners or find um, a habitat cleanup group through a meetup or something. Or if you can't find those people in real life, do it online because we are everywhere. I totally see that. People who have this desire to experience earth as a sanctuary and honor earth as a sanctuary and truly return earth to being a sanctuary for the human body, we are just everywhere. So you can find your people, you can find your support, your companionship, your allies, even if it means doing it through Facebook groups or on Instagram. So yeah. I really urge people to do that because that is very encouraging and it will build your confidence and your sense of the validity of what you're craving and believing in. Yeah, and that sense of community as well, which is really beautiful. Helen, where can people find you so they can keep having this conversation with you? Humansandearth.com. The podcast is there. Um, mentoring sessions. I send out a newsletter twice a month with some thoughts on our humans and earth circumstances and links to the new podcast episodes. Perfect. All of those links will be in the show notes as well for people so they can just get straight to you. And yes, I definitely um, recommend people dive in with your podcast because I found it so uplifting and inspiring. So thank you for bringing that to the world. Thank you for appreciating it. it, it really, I'm really doing it as a service to help people feel encouraged and hopeful. So I'm glad you've been enjoying it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Helen. I've really appreciated it. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me today, talking about sanctuary and spirituality. I hope that the learnings you received in this episode are helpful for you on your own journey. But as always, I'm here to support you. So if you would like, please do reach out and share your thoughts with me. And also, please feel free to like, share, comment or review this episode. If you'd like to connect with me more, please go to my website, HelenJoyButler.com. And I invite you also to join the Sanctuary Inner Circle. That's our beautiful group 
who talk about sanctuary spirituality and everything in between. But until next time, take care and much love.